we're here. Yeah. Welcome, everyone. We've missed you. Yeah, it's finally, it feels very good to be sitting in front of this thing and, and talking because, well, that's why part of the reason we kind of gave the disclaimer a few weeks back, right? Yeah. Like, the season is just crazy. Yeah. Thanksgiving, you're traveling, the church schedules, yeah, just bonkers. Stomach bug was a <laughs> yeah. big one. Yeah, the time of sickness has <laughs> just arrived. So... Yeah, that's how Thanksgiving was for us. We ate turkey and threw up. <laughs> yeah. And that right there is why you're like, you want to record? No. No. <laughs> no. Nobody felt up to anything. Oh, my goodness. But here we are. It's What do they say? It's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> and it is. It is. It just uh, Unless you're a musician. <laughs> yeah. And that's why what we're talking about today, I think, is so... Apropos. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. We I know that, that we mentioned that we're gonna do talk through Advent and we're not we're not doing we kind of disclaimered this last time. We're not doing it in a traditional way. No. Um because the traditional high church way, there's, you know, five different yeah nights and there's, you know, emphasis emphasis to look at and then on Christmas Eve you light the white candle and, and all that yep. stuff. And so not that any of that is bad. There's no. there's nothing wrong with that. But there's another side to Advent that I think people don't pay attention to. And it is it is the cultural influences we find ourselves in. Yeah. So you know, and it's it's like um what's the so there's a there's an inside joke going around the internet and you we'll see if you're in on it or not. Okay. okay. So the joke basically goes, Oh look, there's a little red truck hauling around a Christmas tree. And I don't know if you've seen that meme or not. Huh. But if I tell you that, can you picture the home decor? Yeah, I know exactly the home decor. Okay. So basically this meme, this joke started from somebody, I don't know where, you know, videoing in like probably their mother's or mother-in-law's house going from tea towel to tea towel <laughs> to sign to thing on the mantle to yeah. stocking to another sign in the bathroom, right? Yeah. And all the while, every single piece of decor is a little red truck hauling around a Christmas tree, right? <laughs> and... But why do I go down this little rabbit trail? Because in this Christmas season, we have put so many images yes. in place to signify and tell our brains it's Christmas time. Ain't nothing wrong with the Christmas tree, right? There's actually good significant meaning behind it. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with snowmen and angels and Christmas lights and little red trucks hauling around Christmas trees, right? It's cool. It, it does. Yep. It brings about the sense of like <clears throat> joy and, and. But we've lost sight mm-hmm. culturally of what those Advent candles, yes. those four weeks, yeah, all, the the high liturgical order of things. We've lost sight of what they were doing, yeah which was pointing us mm-hmm. to God incarnate. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. 
yeah, and now my brain starts a song, uh, <laughs> God Incarnate Love Divine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that Noel, I think, Lauren Daigle's Noel. Um, anyway, <laughs> Christmas is such a um, an interesting time. You know, and I'll sh- I'll share some more about this here, maybe in a few minutes, if it's if it's right to do so. <laughs> but let's just say I have been involved in in Christmases as a leader for twenty four years. Yeah, as a participant since I could breathe, and I'm just going to make a bold statement before we pray. Church is probably the worst place to be at Christmas time. And I know that's a that's a thump, and and don't don't take it don't take it the way I didn't say it. I'm not saying we don't need to be at church. I'm not saying we don't need to be around God's people. We do. What I'm saying is what we have done. Yeah. To Christmas, church is one of the worst places to be. Um, if you're a leader, if if you are a participant, if you're just showing up to to watch, it's awesome. If you're behind the scenes. January one rolls around. You're done. Yeah, you're done. Yeah, and uh, and don't don't detect bitterness where there's not meant. It's just it's just a statement of fact. Yeah, and so uh, but let's uh, <laughs> let's focus our hearts in the right places. Let me pray for us, uh, Lord. Uh, good morning. It is a frosty, beautifully cold, uh, finally feels like December. Uh, it was weird to be in New York last weekend wearing a T-shirt in December. Uh, something wrong about that, but uh, that's the way it was. Um, and God, I just I pray as we have this conversation that um, you would just help Jared and I uh, just encourage one another. <laughs> and maybe there is bitterness in Larry's heart. And so if there is, Lord God, would you reveal it? As we talk, and would you help me confess that out? Um, but we want to talk about some truths today. And God, you have been so faithful to direct our conversations. And today, especially, I want you to to bind my tongue and not loosen it, um, and help us talk about things that actually are are important to you uh, and things that you want talked about, and not not our own personal opinion uh, of things. But help us use our experiences, God, to bring forth uh, your points and your story and your focus. So, Lord, we love you. And all this we ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. So where we started just now, here's where I've been. uh, Of course, I don't have it marked. There we go. Here's where I've been reading the last. Right. So I've just continued personally down the... uh, Old Testament path. The, the minor prophets. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I shared part of this with you last night. Yeah. There's like this really, really scary, like it's, <laughs> it's like the scariest sentence I've read in a long time in the Bible. Yeah. Um, and, but it's preceded by one of the funniest. Uh, <laughs> so here's the backstory for the people listening. I'm re, I'm going through Amos right now. Amos is just a redneck farmer. Love him. <clears throat> Sheep herder from Tacoa. <laughs> He's just a sheep herder. Um, and in the, the, the very first lines of chapter four, he is he's talking to all the people that are he's in the, living in this area. But he uh, it makes it seem as though he's just addressing like the wives. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so, the, but basically, these people are just taking advantage of the middle class. We'll call it. They're taking right. advantage of the poor and the middle class, and they're just they're anything that they have, they're taking for themselves and making themselves rich. And so he just calls them a bunch of cows, and I just find it hilarious. <laughs> but. Where I'm going with this is there is a warning in here that God gives to Amos and he gives right. to the people. Um, here it is. Verse 4. You enter Bethel and transgress, and Gilgal multiply transgressions. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes, tithes every three days. Offer a thank offering also from that which is leavened, and proclaim freewill offerings, making make them known. For so you love to do, O sons of Israel. So I read that the other day, and I was like, ah, oh, okay. So the people Amos is talking to right now in this moment, I'm going. I'm going to take some liberties and contextualize it to us okay. a little bit. <clears throat> So I apologize for those that want like strict exegesis on this, but I'm, I'm taking the, the point of it, right? Um, the people Amos was talking to went to church every Sunday, mm. sang, mm-hmm. lifted their hands up, gave their 10%, maybe even went on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. They for sure were involved and made sure their kids played Mary and Joseph in the Christmas pageant, they probably decorated the house. Mm-hmm. They made it look the right way. Mm-hmm. They complained when somebody said "Happy Holidays" and not "Merry Christmas." Mm-hmm. Yet, their focus—the people he was talking to—was on making sure people said "Merry Christmas" and not "Happy Holidays," making sure their daughter was singing in the pageant. Mm-hmm. Making sure they raised their hands at the right moment. Making sure they delivered Christmas cards to the right people. Mm-hmm. Like all, they, they were focused on the stuff, right? That's that's Jared contextualizing that verse mm-hmm. into what we're talking about, and it was just a place where I was like, I need to stop and think. Like it it stopped me. So I'm, I'm reading this. I'm like, where am I focused on? doing the stuff all right so here's god intervening in our conversation as you're reading that passage you mentioned bethel Uh. (laughs) okay last night doing the jesse tree yeah we talked about jacob's ladder Mm. and when jacob wakes up from that dream he goes to his family and he tells them something very similar to what joshua says Put away your foreign gods. We as a family are going up, and I'm going to call this place. Are you ready for it? Bethel. Bethel. Yep. And I'm going to build an altar, and we're going to worship the Lord because God is here. Yep. So the context of Amos goes all the way back to the beginnings of Israel with Jacob. And, And therein lies the issue. When we as churches do not take the time to stop and not just look at context, but go back and look at tradition, go back and ask the questions, why 
do we do X, Y, Z? Why did we? Now, are there some traditions that need to go by the wayside? Sure. Absolutely there are. We should always be, we should always be examining yes. what are the practices that make sense? Yeah. Like what, what is enabling me to glorify God? If you're a pastor, I'm going to speak on behalf of something that I'm not, but in my opinion... If I was in that type of position, I should be examining what is helping yes. and what is hindering yes. this church. That's right. right. I mean, that's just, if you run a business, not the church is a business, sometimes they seem that way, right? But yep. if you run a business and you're not constantly examining like what's working and what's not, right? you are going to go under. That's right. Right? And so... Same thing in the church. Like if you're not looking at like what's going well, what's yep. what's helping us see Jesus, mm-hmm. what's helping the community see Jesus in us. Right. And, you know, <clears throat> what strain are we putting on not just our staff, but what strain are we putting on our lay leaders? Yeah. And if we're asking, if we're asking <clears throat> people to be involved every single Sunday, if every single Sunday and every single Wednesday in the month of December is full of something, your church is going the wrong direction. Yeah. Because you are taxing your people beyond belief. Yeah. So this is a part of the conversation that I find fun. Um, you're over there poking the bear. I know what you're doing. No, I, <laughs> I want to I get your opinion on it. Um, but so I've and maybe we talked about this last time. I don't remember. I've thought in the last couple years, like, wouldn't it be interesting? So, actually, let me come at this from a different angle. Okay. I'm going to stop myself and go back a little bit. I couldn't quote the page number for you because it's too big, but um, I've I've ran across this quote from Karl Barth a couple times, and it's out of his dogmatics, not the dogmatics and outline, out of the dogmatics. The big one. Yeah. And I only have like um, like the selected right parts of it, right? The so abridged, yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't find the exact quote. I found this on the internet. So if it's not true, I'm sorry, but I liked the idea behind it. And the basic sentiment was Karl Barth saying, like, what other season in the church is there other than Advent? Mm. Like, what other season is there? Mm. Right. Because Jesus is the one that's already come before. Mm -hmm. And then he came Mm -hmm. born of a virgin and he's coming again. Mm -hmm. Right. So what other season is there than celebrating and anticipating the coming of Jesus? Yes. Like that season. and, And if you take that idea is all the time. And so I, that started me thinking like, I, he's right. Mm-hmm. He is right. So in a church setting, we already know like, well, there's two parts to this one. The church is really for the body of believers, but we are called to evangelize and make disciples. And so we should be seeking to get people in the door, especially mm-hmm. around these seasons, right? But to be fair, I already know that a lot of people are probably going to darken the doors mm-hmm. 
come Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Right? Priesters. <laughs> Christmas <laughs> but, and Easter. They're, yeah. they're, they're going to they're gonna show up. Should I make sure my message can be as penetrating as possible? Absolutely, Absolutely I should. Yes. Right? And should I, as a church member, be looking for those people to welcome them in and slide into the middle so they have room to sit and their whole family can feel comfortable and all those things? Yes, yes, and yes. Yeah. But what if... I said, I, I'm saying this, This is, I sound egotistic, so I take, take that back. What if the church said, we want to strip down Christmas. We want it to be powerful, meaningful, but we don't want it to be busy. Mm. We're going to make sure it's done well, but we're not going to overproduce it. And mm. not everybody has to be involved. Those that want to be can. Mm-hmm. And what if we said, I want our big production or a big event to be like in September. Mm. Sometime that's not traditionally church busy. Yeah. That you can bring people in and invite them to something that's outside of the normal schedule. Right, F- families typically maybe aren't as bu- you find a time that's not so busy that mm-hmm. people aren't traveling back and forth. They got things, schools going on. You know, there's a school play and parent-teacher conferences and da da da. I just wonder if there was a way, like, if the church could, like, would it be impactful? I don't know. So, <clears throat> let me play a little devil's advocate on that. So, a very good friend of mine, Bodo Joseph, who's a uh, church planner. He was in New York for a long time, and now he's out in Houston, Texas. He partnered with a church out of Gastonia, North Carolina, uh, back I think twenty a little bit before twenty fifteen. I think it started like twenty eleven, and they it started off as it was called Coats for Queens, yeah, and now it's grown into Coats for the City and State Convention in North Carolina, South Carolina State Convention has now come on board with us. Um, we have these partnerships, but there was a couple of years off and on there that we did the Coats giveaway like the first weekend in November instead of the first weekend in December. And I loved it. Why did I love it? Because it got us outside of the Christmas season. It got us outside of all the busyness that was going on in our church. And Bodo's point was this, and I never will forget when he looked at me and told me, you know, because I was having the argument with him. I was like, it was so good when it was in November. And he was pretty much like, yeah, because Larry, it works for you. Yeah. He goes, but I need it to be cold. He said, plus, I want the aspect of Christmas. When we're working with Muslims, when we're working with Tibetans, when we're working with Nepalis, when we're working with, you know, uh, Pakistanis or Bengalis, you know, he said, I want that aspect of Christmas. And, you know, one of my favorite parts, even though it's in one of the busiest seasons in the world, one of my favorite parts, things we do, and our team did it again this year, we go down on the subway platform. And we sing Christmas carols and people come up off the trains and they stop. We had a homeless guy stop and and sing with us again this year. So yes, are there times outside of the norm to, to maybe make some focus to be outside of, of the Christmas hustle and bustle? Yes. But I'm going to probably come at it from the perspective of, it is the church's responsibility to teach redemption and redemption, not just in the aspect of, of 
Christ redeeming us. Obviously, that has to be sure. the main message. But there's another redemption that's talked about. Paul mentions it, right, in Ephesians, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Mm. It is incumbent <clears throat> upon the church to to lean into the life of its family members and say, what's important to you? We had this discussion last night, finishing up Read, Pray, Sing, and uh, teaching it again in small group. And the families and I were talking, and and I just made the comment. I was like, you know, I don't want you to, I don't want you to answer, you know, because I don't want you to incriminate yourself. But I was like, how many of you would have ever considered, you know, telling your child if you don't get your homework done, you don't go to church? Mm. But we have lots of families that do that. Church. So, so the actual reward is if I don't want to have to go to church, which most kids don't, then I'll just be lazy on my, yeah. my homework and yeah. not go. How about this one? Um, school projects mm. and uh, punishment is um, is having to uh, is is missing church, yeah. and and so. Mi- Church should never be a punishment one way or the other. If you're going to ground your kid, ground them, but don't keep them from church. Yeah, Church should never be a punishment uh, as, as a positive or a negative. In other words, it should never be, hey, you know, you're not going to. Now, you know, the youth are going to go to Carowinds or go to some place, right? Yeah, you don't get to go on that special trip. But you... Your attitude doesn't stop you from going to your Bible studies, right? Right. And right. going. So, I mean, let's let's put all this in perspective. But my, my point is this: it's easy to use church as a pawn, and I think parents do it all the time. And <laughs> I laugh because you know I came from a family that instilled a drug problem in me, and that was every time the doors were open, I was drugged to church. Sure. I'm instilling that same drug-induced issue with my kids. Like, I drag those days. I drag them. And, you know, at the end of the day, when we sit down and talk, the days that they don't want to go the most on the front end are the days when we get home. They're like, I'm so glad you made me go. Yeah. Because this conversation happened or that happened or I ran into so-and-so and and they needed. And, I mean, and this is like 15-year-old, 12-year-old, and a 9-year-old already getting it. Yeah. So I, I think the issue here is an education issue. Yeah. Yeah. So that circles it back, right? So if we're, I think we're both in agreement that the Christmas time, the Advent season, it's important. It's important. So hugely important. So you don't move it to September. Nope. Right? <laughs> because of what Bodo said. We need the season. We need the season. We need the season. So. My question then becomes, and I have a response in my head from some study that I've I've been doing. Okay. How do we focus ourselves and the ones around us into what's important? Mm. So I think this is where this is where research. And working together as a team comes into play. There, there is a trend going on in churches that is is very concerning to me right now, and and it's it's a leadership lopsidedness, mm-hmm. and it's appearing in two ways. The first way it's appearing, it's appearing in the aspect of congregations that 
completely are completely running the church and making pastors jump and do like the pastor is their lackey there yeah. to beat upon and do what they want to do. No. On the flip side of that, there are pastors that are out there trying to gain more and more power and take the congregational polity aspect. And as Baptists, that's a huge thing for us because that's a very Berean thing to do, right? right. And so there, there's a balance here. I know most of our people know what you just said, but I'm going <laughs> to... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So the Bereans were ones that basically listened to Paul, yep. but then questioned... Went to scripture and said... Went, and, and examined yep. what he was saying against them, right? Mm-hmm. And what I love about the Bereans is that Paul didn't get mad. No, he encouraged it. Paul did not get mad that these people are examining what I'm saying and testing, putting me to the test. No, in fact, he encouraged it. Yeah. And so that's my quick note on yeah. that. Yeah, no, I think that's great. So <clears throat> we, have, we have two different things or views of polity that can rise up in a church, and both are dangerous. The way that it's supposed to work is if you have a pastor, singularly, or you have a pastor with staff, I do believe in staff-led churches. I think you should be able to trust your pastor and the staff that they are leading and, and going in right directions. But... It is then incumbent upon that leadership to bring the path before the body and say, this is a direction we'd like to go in. Let's talk about this. Not, here it is, you're going to vote on it right now, you approve it. That's a rubber stamp. it's, It's incumbent upon that pastoral staff to teach and explain why we need to go the way we need to go. And it's incumbent upon the body to listen. And the body to make, you know, to, to hear and, and then to, and then if it's right to follow. Yeah. And, and so I think, I think we're talking about a topic that's massively important, but it's a topic we're never going to be able to give a one, two, three. Sure. Okay. So what do I mean by that? All right. Let's take, all right, let's take Preston Wood Baptist Church out in Texas. All right. Texas is a massive place. Everything is bigger. <laughs> everything's bigger in Texas. I have a joke for that, but I'm not going to I'm not going <laughs> to use that joke, but it's funny. All right, so everything's bigger in Texas. I have actually never been to Texas. You have. I've never been to Texas. Um you were actually at Fort Hood. Yep. Yeah. So, um but I know people who've been to Texas. I've heard a lot about Texas. I know a lot of churches cuz I have sat under the teaching of people that that teach and, and preach sure. in Texas. Can a Prestonwood Baptist Church afford and and do some massive scale production? Absolutely. Right. And and should they? I think out there in that context, probably so. Yeah. Because people come to it. They they expect it. They want to see it. It's a it is an outlet. It's a door that has been opened. Yes. And so you know, do I think that it's okay for them to do something on a massive scale? Number one, they have the budget to do it. Number two, they have the staff to do it. Do it. Yeah. And and, and if the people inside the church have been led and taught in a right way, yeah. and they say, yes, 
then go you know, for it. Your first impressions teams on on board to be there greeting people and taking care of people. Your musicians <laughs> are prepared. Your tech, you've got tech people. You've got. Yep. I mean, <clears throat> when the church comes together and does this well, our pastor, the church that he came from. In their context, they do this massive kind of drive-through nativity on their property, and it works. Yeah. Where where he came from, it works beautifully. Yep. And and I think that's that's phenomenal. And it's actually something my wife and I happened to drive by there the other day, and we saw we've heard the stories, but we were able to see you know in the back end of the church, and it stays up you know year round, and then but they use it specifically at Christmas. But the church is focused on that. Yeah. That's the event. The church body comes together. So I think <clears throat> instead of giving you a one, two, three, or an ABC, I think the conversation we're having is this. The staff and the body need to sit down together and say, what is our context? What do people do? All right. Now, there is not an athletic bone in this man's body. <laughs> Period. But let's say that you are in a culture that's a very sports-driven culture. And the only time travel ball teams take a break, and do they even take a break in December? I don't know. <laughs> you know, but I mean maybe they do, maybe they don't. They're probably playing basketball, so that's inside. So but you know, <clears throat> I don't know how all that, that comes about. But if you're in a in a very heavy sports context, then capitalize on that. How do we bring Advent into? Here's here's where I think churches make a mistake. They make a mistake in two areas. Number one, they divorce Advent and Resurrection. Mm. And you should never divorce the two because they go hand in hand. Every Advent season, you need to be discussing the Resurrection and every resurrection season, you should be discussing God in flesh, yeah. the incarnation of Christ. Yeah. That discussion should be happening, most especially, it should be happening every Sunday, yeah. but most especially during the Advent season and during the resurrection season. Both that aspect needs to be, so that's, that's number one. And then number two is what I'm going to call fragmented ministry. Um. One of the things that I appreciate um, in in our context is that when our pastor came to us, I know that his heart kind of was what he came from yeah. and really wanted maybe to bring that nativity aspect to us. And I think, you know, we've tried some different iterations of some different things, and it, it may still be out there for our church to do one day down the road. I don't know. But I, I do know that, you know, the past couple of years— Still has a heart for Christmas in our town. Yep. Still has a heart to make it something that the kids have something to do. There's music involved. There's and so you know this year in our context, you know, with you and and Katie leading the Iwana program, we're doing the Iwana store first. Then the kids will have games and stuff, and there'll be food in the fellowship hall. Then our performance, music performance, is at six thirty, and then we, you know everything kind of finishes up. Yep. That works beautifully well in our context. And you know what? That is a singularly focused day that we are we are working, you know, all the different staff pastors have roles. Yep. All of the church body 
in their areas they serve in have different roles. <clears throat> it's a focused thing, and that's good. The other thing you have to do is you have to sit down and say, okay, if we're going to have this one big thing, is there is there another place to be focused on? And I would say probably so. If you are a church that doesn't have a Christmas Eve service, do yourselves a favor and don't start one. <laughs> if you are a church that that is a longstanding tradition, do yourself a favor and don't stop it. Yeah. And so say, okay, we want to do this big thing here, but we know this is important over here. Yeah. Because the one thing that doesn't stop is the fact that you're going to continue to meet every Sunday. Right. And each of those services should get the same attention that the special stuff does. Yeah. A church member that sings in the choir with us and everything has, and he's told me this before. He told our previous pastor this. He said, Larry's really good at the special services. I wish he just gave each week the same attention <laughs> that he does. And that, that is an indictment on me. I, I will own that very well. Why is that? Because creating the special services, I really have to focus on every aspect. Yeah. So this now begs the question, if there's time or the energy is poured into the special services, why are we not guarding the time of the people creating the week-to-week -week stuff to be able to do? So see, all of this is tied into education. Right. We have to answer the question, what's, what's the purpose of the senior adult ministry? What's the purpose of the music ministry? What's the purpose of our discipleship ministry? What's the purpose of our youth ministry? All right. So let me, let me, let me yeah, interject myself. Yeah. No, you're good. Go ahead. I, cause I have the answer to your question. Oh, hot dog. Jared I, has an answer. I think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to open up a, my Bible for just a second. Why would you do that? I don't know. <laughs> Revelation chapter two. Okay. Jesus is giving words to John. Uh huh. John is writing them down. And in this moment, Jesus is talking to the church in Ephesus. Okay. So I'm going to skip the first part. The idea basically is they're doing all the right things. Okay. Right. They're doing all the things. They're running all the services. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Mm. So education, right? And we I opened up with Amos. Right. They they love to do the things. They didn't even, in my estimation at that point, Amos was talking to people that didn't have a first love. Right? No. They had been given the law. And yeah. the sacrificial system, and that's what they just were doing the things. They worship the process, yes, not the creator of the process. The church in Ephesus <clears throat> had been introduced to Jesus. Mm. They knew Jesus. That's what converted them. Mm -hmm. the The real gospel story of Jesus has come to earth, has lived a perfect life, died on a cross, mm -hmm. rose again. And reconciled to himself, Jew and Gentile, mm -hmm. right? That story, that not that truth, that mm -hmm. gospel message is what converted the people in Ephesus and made them grow. But they got to this point where 
they toil and persevere. They cannot tolerate evil. Um, they put to the test those who call themselves apostles. That's a whole rabbit trail we won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they, they endure for in Jesus' name, and they don't grow weary. Like, that's that's high praise. Mm-hmm. But they they have forgotten the first love. What's the first love? Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? And so to me, as I look at it, every Sunday, Sunday school, the church service, mm-hmm. small groups, discipleship groups, whatever your church runs, the youth group, the Awana program or whatever your children's ministry looks like, choir, mm-hmm. the music ministry, staff meetings, like mm-hmm. what, whatever those things are, we need to be examining our own processes mm-hmm. and saying, where are we forgetting the first love? Mm. That's to me, you know, okay, church, we want to go this direction. When I look at it as a church member, and now I'm telling you as a staff member what I see as a, what I do as a church member, mm-hmm. okay, that direction. Like, I start to go, are we focused on the process or are we focused on Jesus? Mm. And it's always a fair question. Do I always give a fair judgment? Probably not because I have biases that I bring into it. But that's why to me, when the, when a church body does that together, we should always come out closer to where we need to go. Right. That, that line of questioning, if a church body does that together and, and a staff does that together and they're always looking with those lenses on then the intent behind the actions is going to be in line with where we should be going. Mm-hmm. And I think the other point to not not to miss in in that passage of scripture is Jesus is the one who holds the candles of the church. And he even tells I'm going to forget it now. But the idea being that he can extinguish your candle. Oh, yeah. You know, give me just a second. I'm going to let you keep talking, but my nose is running right now, and i got to run and grab a... No, I think I think you bring up a, a really good point. Um, I say that as he walks out of the room. He'll be right back. Um, we take our focus off of the important things. And I think something that Jared said that was very important is he talked about processes. Processes are important to any organization because processes help you move from point A to point B. Uh, If you're looking for a staff member, there's processes you need to go through. If you're um, looking to um, increase your missions, you know, emphasis, there's processes you go through. There's processes happen in everything. There's, we use recipes for a reason. Recipes are processes. But there again, it, it all comes down to the balance. Is the process 
pushing the focus or is the focus determining the process? You say, well, Larry, that sounds like some preacher talk right there, you know? <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll give you that. But what I'm, what I'm saying is this. If the process is more important than the end result, yeah, then my priorities are out of whack. Yeah. But if I say, I want this end result now, how do I get there? Those are the pro- those are those are things in the right in the right place in the right focus. <clears throat> Jacob took his family, focused them to Bethel, yeah, created <clears throat> Bethel, named it, all because of the experience he had there. So what does that mean? That means when we get to Amos and Amos says what he says, he should have been able to say to the people, "Hey, our father Jacob." created this place because of the experience he had. Thank you for coming and not desecrating it. Thank you for not coming and worshiping the place. Thank you for coming and doing what he did and meeting the Lord here. But he couldn't say that. Why? Because they worshiped the process. The process and and, and what's not said there but is implied other places is (laughs) they brought other gods into that place. Yep. Right? And we got to be careful of the same thing today. So let's let's take Christmas in that context. In what you started talking about at the beginning, my wife loves a red truck <laughs> with a Christmas tree. We don't have a lot of that stuff around the house, just quite frankly, because it's cute to look at. But everybody wants twenty five to thirty dollars yes. for every piece of it. Yes, <laughs> that ain't happening. And, and look, I'm I I'm, I joked about that as a person that has two pillows on the couch. <laughs> Downstairs with trucks. with trucks hauling a Christmas tree. I don't have a problem with, I love Christmas decorations. My, I have said it before, I'll say it again. My favorite time of year, and this will change for me probably uh, in different ways because I see in the future Christmas Eves being different for me than they are right now. Um, for those of you that, that don't know or maybe haven't picked up, uh, this is my last month at our church mm. and uh, looking and praying about what God's doing and how he's moving and what the next steps are for us. Um, and in, in the process of that, <clears throat> Christmas Eve has been really, for me, a healing time mm. because we do have a, a fairly decent, substantial Christmas Eve service, and that's kind of the final, the final punctuation. And in the past... Christmas Day has been a day when Larry, when the stress is off, Larry's completely sick. Larry's short-tempered. He's very tired. He's exhausted. Um, dreaded it the, the years that Christmas falls on a Sunday. Right. Because... You're walking in sick. Don't, yeah. or, or I've pushed the sickness off long enough and the 26th is going to be the day that it all... Right. Or that night, you know, it all crashes in. Why? You know, my wife said it last night. She's like, he has an uncanny ability to push through all the stress and and hang on to everything and not get sick. And then like once the stress leaves, it's like his body just succumbs to it. Why do we do that to people? We do that to people because we worship the processes more than we do the purpose of what we're doing while we're doing. Now, those years came because literally every single Sunday was a, was a big production. 
And every single Wednesday was a massive rehearsal to get into that next production and tearing the stage down and resetting it back up literally every single week. And believe it or not, that still happens for us. We still have aspects of that taking place. Yeah. Um, and you say, well, why did you not build a team? In some years I have had a team, but most years I don't have a team. Why? Because we don't, we don't have that kind of context. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you know, so, I mean, think about what we, where we started this, right? You've yeah. got people are traveling. Yeah. They've got, they're busy. They got school stuff going on. Yep. Um, yep. work parties. Right. Like all the, you know, it's a busy time of year. So, so building Christ a team isn't always no possible. But so for Larry, Christmas Eve, all the lights off in the house, nothing but the glow of the white lights of the tree and, and, and any other lights that are up around the house. And as our kids get older, letting them come sit with us, make, yep. Jennifer making maybe like a charcuterie board yep. and, you know, get some Welch's sparkling, you know, just grape juice. And just enjoying, just, I mean, literally turning everything off, maybe some Christmas music playing in the background and just, just breathing in the moment. Mm -hmm. That's a very special time for me. And that is literally a two to three hour moment. I get Christmas for about two to three hours every year. That's it. Because the rest of it's focused on all the stuff. <clears throat> so. What is the danger? Well, the danger is the other side of it is maybe not being so involved in church that you're busy doing all those things, but you worship the the decorating, mm. you worship the food prep, you worship the the family traditions above, you know, focusing in on the Lord. Look. All of those, I love going around, driving around, and seeing how people have decorated their yards and doing yep. stuff. But it was funny because um, I think I had to come over to your house. It was a Sunday afternoon. I stopped by and dropped and picked something up from you. Hey, to pick something up or drop something, I can't remember. But probably was, both. Yeah, probably <laughs> both. But it was a couple. It was a couple of weeks ago. It was kind of leading into into Thanksgiving, and or it was right after Thanksgiving, and and I was watching. And here it was a Sunday afternoon when people should have been in, in a place to worship, should be at home, taking a breath and relaxing a little bit. And over half your neighborhood was out putting up Christmas decorations. You know, and, and so my question begins to come, where, what's the focus? I don't want to take anything away from Christmas decorations. I don't want to take any, If you got Christmas movies you love to, we have Christmas movies we love to watch. You know, they're there. If it's not Christmas vacation, you're wrong. That's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And and you will not convince me that Die Hard and Lethal Weapon are not Christmas movies. But that's neither here nor there. Um, sorry, that's my past life. I don't suggest going and watching that yeah, stuff. Yeah. I, anyway. I, grew, I grew up with the, uh, the the TV recorded version of Christmas vacation. Yes. You know, yeah. So. yeah. 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 Get the edited version of some of these Christmas classics, quote unquote. Um, but, you know, the, the big the big thing is. What we're trying to say is evaluate. Yeah. If and, you, if and you teach and teach, right? Involve involve the family. You know, Dad. If you have that Chevy Chase moment where you think you've got to have like a power draining light display, <laughs> and the family looks at you and they're like, "Are you serious?" Yeah. Are they saying, "Are you serious?" Because 
they need work ethic installed in them? Yeah. Or are they saying, are you serious? Because what they see is dad's a bear. It's taking his attention away from us and spending time together. You know, that is the same way we should be in the church. If you stand up in the pulpit as a pastor or you're a Sunday school teacher and you mention and you say, hey, don't forget the big Christmas thing is is on this. And and what you hear is, yeah, you need to go to your pastor and be like, "Okay, every time, every year I mention X, Y, Z. This is the response we get. We need to reevaluate. Yeah. You know, just listen, work together and listen. I will. Uh, I, I don't know. This just popped in my head. It, in our house, we've been this year, like, really trying to focus the house in. And so the the context of my house is, and my I don't my mom and dad might be able to say otherwise, but in my estimation, in in my memory, I am thankful for how they did Christmas because I don't remember a time that I thought S A N T A was the real deal, right. I knew he was a fun tradition, mm-hmm. and that's the memory that I have. Sure. So my mom would always get like a gift from Santa, but we all, we I I have no memory of ever thinking that was for real. Right. Um. So that was just kind of that's the context you grew up in. I didn't know otherwise. I don't even rem- remember them telling me like don't tell other people that he's like. I just, it just never came up. I just, I don't remember. I don't know. And they could probably speak to that part of it. But right. my wife grew up in a more traditional sense of it was real, you know, and at whatever, some point she found out. Right. And she has good memories of those Christmases with mm-hmm. Santa and stuff. And so when it came to us having kids, um, it was decided that. Santa will be a thing. Mm-hmm. And now we're both kind of like, I don't know, I wish we, we wish we wouldn't have. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and so we're in this place where we're trying to focus her, our daughter's attention on mm-hmm. what's real and not, Right now we're in this place where it's like we don't want to just sit her down and be like, mom and dad lied to you. Right. This thing don't exist. Right. You know, we don't want to do that. Sorry for those of you that believe Santa Claus was yeah, real. We oh, just yeah. bursted your bubble. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Lonnie, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we love you, Brother Lonnie. You're amazing. I'll, uh, but we're in this place where it's like, if she if she were to ask, yeah, we would say, well, this is kind of what this is what it is. Yeah. Um, but I I bring all that up to say, you know, if you are volunteering in a children's ministry at church, 
or you're a music pastor, or you're a senior pastor, or you're the children's pastor, or you're working with the youth group and mm-hmm. helping serve on Wednesday night or whatever it is. Like, I, you don't need to be the per- you Please don't be the person that says, let me sit you down and tell you, kindergartner, Santa ain't real and your parents are lying to you. Like, <laughs> don't be that person. Don't be that person. Right. But understand that there are potentially lots of kids or youth group folks or adults that their context of Christmas is everything about commercialism. Mm-hmm. And not about Jesus. And so when you have them in front of you on Wednesday night and Sunday morning, like bring their attention Mm -hmm. to the Savior that came. Right. You know, like that's where we need to be focusing them. And so you're teaching those kids from an early age. It's our job to teach truth. And if truth undermines what a parent teaches that's one thing if i am purposely undermining a parent yes. woe be to me yeah so like the other night we had a student in awadas right out of nowhere pastor Derek, and we, i'm up on with him because we're doing something yeah uh <laughs> what did he ask how in the world does santa deliver all those presents on time right <laughs> Great question. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I don't even, I, Derek heard it, I'm sure, but he was in the middle of talking. Yeah. So I just, I looked at the kid, I go, hey, that is such a good question. I need you to ask your parent that question when you get home tonight. There you go. Like, your parent is the perfect for, go home and ask that. And, and he, the kid was like, okay. You know? Like, yeah. So so when those things arise... Yeah. There's, there's ways it, to... Give it back to them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so w- the story you told is the is the exact opposite of our context. I did Santa Claus growing up. In fact, I was probably way too old finding out <laughs> Santa wasn't real. My wife's parents and family didn't uh, and, and took it on the chin from a lot of other family members. Yeah. Um, my sister and my brother-in-law paved the way to bust that mold in our world and took it on the chin from my parents and even from me for a while uh, till I started getting in context to having kids and talking with my wife and we made the decision not to ever start it. Now we talk about it. We laugh about it. We're like, you know, Hey, it's, it's, it's a context of things. My son who is becoming the history buff that his mother is, was giving me the whole breakdown of Coca-Cola and how they created the fat man in the red suit. And, and, and right, a lot of a lot of what we see as traditional American Christmas, thank you, Coca-Cola. <laughs> yep. You know, yep. you, Polar you, bears you and started it. Um, and kudos to you guys. You built a big company. You make a lot of money and go for it, right? But th- there, is, there is the thing. There are things we can participate in and laugh about and have fun and still stay focused on the truth. There are things that we should never participate in. And so this is where you mom and dad, where you grandma and grandpa have got to weigh out what is the eternal value Mm -hmm. versus the cultural value. Mm -hmm. And if the cultural value is over is over, is, is taking over the eternal value, the cultural needs to be turned down. Yep. 
if the eternal value is in the right place and the cultural stuff is not not pushing it outside it's just something another another fun thing to be able to do together then then you know I don't have an issue with yeah. it but I, I think the whole purpose of this whole conversation today really has been this if and I just want to encourage you guys start practicing pastoral care Anytime you hear the term pastoral care, what comes up in your mind is a pastor taking their time to go to a hospital or go speak into a family's life. And that is an aspect of pastoral care. But the church body needs to practice pastoral care. And so here's what I would say. Evaluate what you do in your church. Listen to the people around you. Listen to what's being said by the body. Listen to what's being said by the your staff. And if at Christmas time your pastor starts getting grumpy or your music pastor starts getting grumpy or your youth pastor starts getting grumpy, the first question you need to ask is this. Am I doing something? Am I putting an unnecessary requirement on them? So start there. Question number two, did something happen in their life as a kid? Because I worked for a pastor for years mm that he came from a divorced family. Christmas is a very sore subject for him. Mm. The day that as soon as the last present is open on Christmas Day, he's tearing the tree down. Uh, by the <laughs> yeah. end of the day, there's no sign of Christmas in that house. All the wrapping paper's thrown out. All right. the toys are put away. There's no Christmas tree. There's no garland. There's nothing. Um, why is that? And, and does that need to be leaned into? Or the third question is, is it a matter of our processes require more of that person than necessary? Yeah. <laughs> and, and practice some pastoral care, practice some lay leader care and say, what, what are we doing to our body mm. during these times? Now, is it important to do something big at Christmas? I think it is. Yeah. Is it important to do something big at Easter? I think it is. Is it also important to put a strong emphasis on every single Sunday, bringing honor and glory to God. Absolutely. Because here, here's a teaching moment. What is the purpose of Sunday morning? The purpose of Sunday morning is to do what we do every Easter, to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and yeah. Savior, Jesus Christ. Because without the resurrection, there is no power of salvation. Yeah. What does Paul say? We believed that he died on the cross, that he was buried for three days, and that he was gloriously resurrected according to what? The scripture, yeah. right? Yeah. That has to be the focus consistently in yeah. everything we do. Yep. Yeah, so really what <laughs> we're... Uh, we solve no problems here. We, we just, solve no problems. We create more. <laughs> well, but let, let me... <laughs> let me... <laughs> this is Jared's wish list. Oh, this is your grown-up Christmas list. So if Christmas is important, then we should do it big. Yeah. And Easter is important, and we shouldn't do it big. Then the times in between Mm -hmm. shouldn't be chaotically busy. Preach on it. Right? Yes. And so that's kind of like... I don't know if I'm doing my calendar math. That's like two of the four quarters. Yeah. Right. So maybe you pick one or two more things that you do big. But in between, the reason that 
the reason that the indictment on you was does the big events good, but the everyday Sunday is because, oh, not always, but there's often times that I can't put the focus on the day to day because there's always a fire burning. Yes. Okay. So get rid of the fires and watch to see does Sunday to Sunday be more focused, have some more attention. Um, because from this big event to this big event, all I'm worried about, not all I'm worried about, but my focus is the next big event and the day to day, not the next big event and this Sunday and the five projects that are going on. Yep. You know, that's just, that would be my, my wish list is let's be really, let's be really, really good at every day mm-hmm. and have four big things. Yeah. Four big things. Four big things. Once a quarter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the other indictment would be that, uh, you know, we should be able to strip Sunday down to nothing and it still be worshipful mm-hmm. because it's not Larry's responsibility for Jared's heart to be right when he walks in the doors. So true. Right. I mean, my grandparents' church had no instruments mm. and just hymnals. Primitive Baptist. No, apostolic Christian okay. church. So they're kind of like an Anabaptist background. Yep. So, no instruments. Right. I'm not talking like they had a piano. No instruments. No instruments. Hymnals and voices. And a pitch pipe. And a pitch pipe. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) But when you go in that place, you know, if you're just watching, sounds and looks genuine. Mm -hmm. So the worship is there, you know. Mm -hmm. And, And oh, by the way, that's all lay leadership. And like for the songs, they're not picking them out. It's not a worship pastor picking out the songs we're going to sing on Sunday to match up with the sermon. It's literally, I'm sitting in the pew and Jim Bob behind me goes, hymn number 138. Mm-hmm. And you flip the page to it and you hope that everybody can read music so they know how the yep. beat rhythm of it goes and you sing. like And so... What, why am I going down this tra- tangent? Like, the, we as a people have to bring our heart in in the right place. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, then of course Sunday's not going to seem like it had the attention, right? You know. Yep. Anyways, agreed. Hymns, they're important. They are important. Just just saying for anybody that's listening, hymns. I saw a quote on the internet actually the other day. Some another picture I'm quoting the internet. Everything's today. real on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> the quote. I don't know who it was by, but the quote was, "As hymnals fade, so does theology in the church." Mm, that's a good word, and it's true. Like the the old hymns do what we talked about all day. They point people to Jesus and the mm. truth of the gospel and the character of God. Like they. They focus you in in the right area. In the 1950s, when Mao was rising to power, 
He started the Cultural Revolution. And what did all of those young people do? They went into homes. They destroyed everything that was old. They erased history. Mm. That's what communism does. It completely goes in and erases history and instills the history that's wanted done. Yep. If your church body will not look back at the past, woe be to you. Mm-hmm. If your pastoral staff will not look back at the past, woe be to you. Because what's going to happen is you're going to absolutely turn upside down not just the history and the context of why your body started meeting where it did, yep. but you're going to be outside the context of your local environment. Yep. You're going to be outside the context of so many things and, and you're going to alienate families that have been there for yep. years and years and years and years and years. Yep. The church is not a place of alienation. The church is not a place of aloneness. It's not the place of leave me alone. It's the place of I am broken. I am weary. I am joyful. I'm excited. I'm frustrated. I'm happy. Yeah. And I need Jesus. And I need Jesus. Not needed. Need. Need. Consistently. Every day. Mm-hmm. And we need to be teaching that too. Absolutely. The the need continues every single day, which is why, in the words of Karl Barth, somewhat, yeah, <laughs> there is no other season but Advent. There you go. I think it's a good word. So, well, it's been a good conversation. Yeah, it has. Welcome to Tangent with Larry and Jared. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> maybe, let's, maybe, maybe we should change it from, from the sharpening to Tangent. <laughs> let's be realistic with the folks. Yeah. We'll try to meet again before the end of the year. We'll do our best. But no promises. <laughs> no promises. It's just a crazy time for but, everybody. But we will try to get one more in. We'll we'll see what happens. Um, the if, day after December 31st, I should have a lot of time on my yeah. hands. <laughs> if not, we are going to jump right back in beginning of the year. Yeah. Try to be on our every other week schedule. Yes. And... Uh, We'll see where we go. We'll see. We'll I don't see know. We've happens. got some stuff in the pipeline. Yeah. But we'll keep you guys on your toes a little bit. That's right. I'll let you close us. All right. Lord, here we are again in your presence asking that you forgive us when we insert self over you. Lord, I'm so guilty of that. I'm guilty of past hurts rising to the surface when I talk about things. I'm guilty of, Lord, and... and idolizing what could be instead of accepting where you're leading and and what you're doing. Um, I'm guilty of so many things. And God, I pray that this Christmas be a a Christmas where we all practice confession, practice repenting of those things that we have confessed, and practice forgiving one another. And, and Lord God, just let this Christmas really be one where we focus not on a cute little baby, not on a precious moment angel, not on a Coca-Cola Santa Claus, but a Christmas where we focus on a mighty God, an everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, who went to the cross and said, I'll take it all. I will pay the debt 
that they cannot pay. I will settle the score that they have no power to settle. And I will redeem, Father, your creation back to you. And Jesus did that. And I pray that's who we celebrate. Help us not look past how you did it. But help us appreciate every moment and every aspect of our Savior's earthly life and his eternality. So God, help us love on each other, protect one another, encourage one another, and help us bring honor and glory to you this Christmas time. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Amen.